Hello and welcome to the Cat Maste Chronicles podcast. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from pet owners about their projects, businesses and ventures. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, founder of Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with pet owners to chat about their individual journeys and of course, their beloved pets. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Cat Mass Day Chronicles podcast. This week I am joined by Anuska Taylor. She is a talented singer, voice coach and young young coach. She has been training clients around the world for over a decade now to find the full potential of their unique voices. Anuska and I were connected through the Women's Network at Albright, where she is also a faculty member of the Albright Academy. She's also a proud cat mum to a sweet chocolate Burmese kitty called Luna, who I can't wait to find out more about. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining us today, Anuska. I've briefly introduced you, but if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, that would be amazing. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, Yes, great to be here. So as you so rightly said, I am a voice teacher. I've been training women and men, actually, but predominantly women around the world for about 12 years now as uh, for for singing or speaking. And I'm also a Jungian coach, which is uh, more the psychology of the voice that I bring into it. And then I'm also a professional singer. And I've this year I've been releasing my own music, which you can find on Spotify. There was a shameless plug right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Um, yeah, I'm excited to find out more. But um, can we talk about when your love and passion for singing started? Yeah, it's funny. When, when I get asked this question, I, I really can't remember when it started because I can't remember not loving it Mm. so I almost feel like I came out of the womb singing maybe I don't know probably not (laughs) but uh, I feel like I I don't remember the precise time but all I can tell you for certain is I've been having lessons since I was 10 so um, I've been training sort of formally for for a long time before I started teaching other people so it's just oh here she comes Uh (laughs) (laughs) here um uh, yeah, so it, it's just been something that's been part of my life forever, and I don't really know where it came from. Yeah, yeah. Aww. So um, what have been some of your favourite events or places to perform at so far? Um, yeah, whether that be singing or, or, or coaching even. Uh, yeah, well, so I was living in Melbourne for 12 years until last year and came back during lockdown (laughs) brilliant timing and so I haven't actually done anything since I've been back because really things have only just started to open but in Melbourne I performed at some of their sort of bigger theatres and the last kind of concert I did before I left was at the the Melbourne Recital Centre which is this big Uh, big music venue in the heart of Melbourne and that was a very very special special final show obviously I didn't know at the time that that was going to be my last show for like two years so uh, at the time I thought oh this is the last one in Melbourne but that was very very special Uh, such a brilliant venue amazing acoustics and 
and that sold out. So there was just a brilliant vibe when I did that as well. Wow, fantastic. I actually have family in Melbourne, so that's quite ah, interesting. Yeah. Um, was, how, how is it over there? Like, was it like, are there, is there kind of like a different dynamic with the audience? What, what is it like? Like, how did they accept you? What, what was it like as a, as a British person going over to Australia? Yeah, you know, I mean, when I went to Melbourne, I I wasn't meant to be there for 12 years. I was meant to be there for a year and I was just Mm. traveling initially. And then I just loved it and I didn't want to come back. So then one year moved into two years, two years became five years, five years became 10 years. And I just thought, you know, if I'm going to come back, because I knew I didn't want to be there, you know, for the rest of my life. So I Mm. thought I need to come back now. Little did I know that I'd chosen to come back. Uh, in lockdown but um yeah it's it's it was I felt very accepted straight away and I knew no one like I went on my own went traveling on my own and I literally got there and you know one was living in a hostel initially and I just felt very very accepted straight away so I love to hear stories like that it just makes (laughs) me want to travel it's so exciting Mm. um tell us more about the genres of music that you actually like to perform so I always find this really hard to answer because I like soulful music, which mm. sounds a bit, which could really be any genre of music. So yeah. the music that I've been writing myself this year has really, I would say it's very soulful, it's very emotional. But I guess my my background is in, and well, when I was younger, it was sort of musical theatre. Oh, so I have got quite a powerful voice and people are always quite surprised at the voice that comes out of me Mm. but I think so I would probably say soulful but it could be jazz it could be pop it could be R&B it could be you know musical theatre it could really be any genre I I guess the only genre I don't sing is country and sort of hard rock but everything else is fair game yeah but would you be open to singing country and hard rock (laughs) (laughs) um you know, I, I I wouldn't not be open to it, but it's not. It wouldn't be my genre of choice. So okay. I don't. I don't really connect to it. And I, the most important thing for me is I have to connect to what I'm singing to. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a waste of time for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You can actually hear it um, when you listen to music. How kind of connected the artist is with mm. the song. You can hear it in the voice. I don't know if that's just me, but <laughs> totally. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. You can't, you can't fake it. I don't think. Yeah, exactly. Um, When did you decide to become a voice coach and what sort of people do you coach? Is it just singers or do you coach other people as well? So I trained to become a coach. Well, I I say I I trained initially to be a singing teacher and that was probably about, well, actually that was when I was in Melbourne. So that was pretty much when I first got there within my first sort of 12 months of being there I when I decided I was going to stay I was like I wasn't happy in what I was doing I had a sort of day job to pay my bills but it wasn't my heart and soul thing and I thought you know what people had mentioned it to me before and I thought I need to I need to do something about this and so Mm -hmm. I trained uh, to teach singing and then the sort of speech side of it really happened by accident when I again when I was in Melbourne because a, a lady randomly contacted me even though I wasn't promoting myself as working with female speakers 
And at the time, she was just like, I just need some help. I can't be heard in this meeting. She worked for one of the big mining companies in, in Australia. Okay. And she was like one of the one of the only women, I think, around the boardroom table. Mm. And she just felt that her voice got totally lost. Mm. So I said to her, look, I'm a singing teacher, but I can help you. It's the same instrument. So that was where it started. And since then, I mean, that was probably about eight, nine years ago, I worked with her. Yeah. So since then, I've done a lot more study in terms of speech and how I work with predominantly women, female speakers, female professionals, which was one of the reasons why I joined Albright, is mm. that's my target audience, I suppose, in the speaking world, because I feel like it's something women really struggle with yes. in the business world more than men, or at least men hide it better, at least. So it was something I thought, I'm going to just focus with the speaking work on helping women entrepreneurs, professionals, business owners, etc. And so that's really where that started. So I guess I have two quite different client groups. I've got sort of the female professional world and then I've mm. got the sort of artistic singer, songwriter, semi-professional amateur, but passionate singers. And I work yeah. with men in that side as well. I mean, I do work with male speakers too, but I predominantly work oh. with women. Yeah, it's so interesting because it, they're, they're both, you know, so contrasting. But at the same time, you can be creative with with both clients, I guess. And um, it's so interesting, you know, when you spoke about women's voices not being heard, especially in the boardroom. And like, mm. you know, in the city in London, for example, where a lot of the kind of like top banking firms are mostly male dominated, it yeah. must be quite daunting as a woman to to kind of get get your voice heard really in in, in you know a, a room full of dominant men who have very loud voices and you know testosterone is you know high in the room it must be quite daunting so I can imagine you probably get quite a few people um approaching you with the same kind of uh issues yeah and I think there's there are certain types of industry where it is still very male dominated yeah the legal world I work with a lot of sort of lawyers and barristers who actually you know in normal times when they are in court could be really needing to use their voice to mm. actually sort of win a case potentially so it, it becomes even more important their voice in that sense but I think just I mean I was working with a lady recently who was going into a lot of pitch meetings she was pitching for you know for her business mm. and or, sorry for investment for her business yeah and um, she just said to me as soon as I kind of get into the room it's like my voice just disappears mm. and you know talking to her normally she's just really bubbly and really confident and then sort of something happened to her when she got into the room and of course that was you know having a sort of negative impact on her being able to kind of really move her business forward yeah. so I think actually helping women it's just so much more than voice and you know as I said I bring in the Jungian psychology because mm -hmm. it's really most of it is mindset I mean it is a technical thing as well there are things you can learn about your voice and I'm talking about speakers here singing is a lot more complex but mm -hmm. um, from a speaking perspective there's some sort of there's some there are some technical things to understand but I think most of it is get your mind in the right headspace Absolutely. and then the voice will generally follow, um, you know, with a few guidelines. 
Absolutely. I was going to actually say that. um, And that led on to my second question so perfectly, because I was going to ask about the young, young coaching, um, because I think maybe, you know, some of our listeners might not know what that is. So, yeah, I was just wondering if you could explain a little bit more about it and also why you decided to train um, as a young, young coach. Yeah, so, well, I'll start with your second question first. Uh, I mean, I found it, I wouldn't say by accident, kind of by accident. I was going, so about, um, it's always it's always the similar story, I think, with people when they have these, they find these incredibly transformational things in their life. But I'd gone through a, an enormous amount of loss in my life. I'd lost my mum and then three years later, I lost my dad. And I really had hit rock bottom emotionally. And I think I was looking for just I needed something more I, I I needed you know not 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 an escape I just wanted to kind of work with my mind in a different way mm-hmm. and I'd always been interested in personal development and I'd always read you know Brené Brown and Louise Hay and what I would call more kind of surface personal development and I'd always loved all of that stuff mm-hmm. but I felt like it wasn't really giving me the transformation that I wanted and I was kind of now ready for and craving and I think going through something so um, traumatic, for want of a better word, really kind of breaks you open and you're like, OK, now I'm ready for something different, something deeper. Yeah. And I think I was just on YouTube and looking around and came across a couple who uh, do a lot of union work. And I just started listening to it and, and reading more about it and then eventually I found it so transformational in my own life in every sense that I thought I could really help, you know, people, whether they're singers or they're speakers, really access more of themselves, reach their full potential if they really understood this sort of part of their mind. Mm. And so that's what I do. And I suppose um, for people that don't know much about Carl Jung's work, it's really um, his whole kind of model of the psyche is really that we have an ego which is really there to kind of protect us and help us survive in the world and we all have an ego it's not a sort of personality trait although I think it can be labeled as a personality trait we all have an ego and it's really just our way of surviving and coping in the world but really what's sort of driving us is what we push away into our unconscious Mm. and what I find with say the more sort of pop psychology that's out there is it's all about sort of limiting beliefs and if you just you know work on your limiting beliefs and you put a vision board up and you put some positive affirmations around your house everything will magically take care of itself (laughs) but I feel like doing the Jungian work is so much deeper because you're really understanding why your mind why you're seeing what you're seeing why you think about things the way you think about things and it really starts to help you see what you're pushing away and he calls it the shadow so what you push into the unconscious so in a very simple way of explaining this it's really Jung's work is all about the unconscious and what we're not aware of that we are running away from and we're pushing away so it's not limiting beliefs it's not if you're aware of it that's not it and it's very very transformational so I use that to help people with their voice because our voice is part of our persona and that ego that keeps that helps us survive I mean the voice is all about survival ultimately 
Absolutely. I love the way how you kind of linked the two because it makes so much sense because like as you mentioned earlier, um, especially when we were talking about, um, you know, women in, in law firms or boardrooms or in courtrooms, it is, I think... It, it's in, it comes down to the mind and, and how we think and, and what we think of ourselves. And I think in the society that we live in, we've kind of been, I don't know if, if conditioned is the right word, but yeah. like, yeah, conditioned to believe that we are less than men. And yeah. because of that, we feel that we have to, you know, be quieter, be smaller and and not have big egos or, um, and you said egos isn't a personality trait. And that's so interesting because, you know, sometimes when people describe someone, they use the word, e- sorry, they use the word egotistical. Um, yes. And yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I actually want to do some research into Young as well now myself because, yeah, it's so interesting. It's fascinating. It really is. And I think just really understanding that we all have an ego because we're all trying to survive on the most basic level. If we're on this planet, whether you're a cat or whether you're a human, yeah. we're all trying to survive emotionally, physically. Fortunately for most of us, it's not about physical survival. I know there would be some people in the world where it is, uh, am I going to live through today? But for most of us, at at least in this country, we are lucky enough that it's more emotional survival, Mm. which comes into then a lot of performance anxiety and worrying about what people think. Am I going to be laughed at? Are people going to throw eggs at me? You know, are they going to talk about me behind my back? Most of what drives people's fear with speaking and singing is all about the ego. And so that is why this work is so powerful, because really we are, what we're really having to learn and understand, and this was really one of the big differences between Jung and Freud, was Jung believed there was a deeper part of ourselves, a more spiritual part of ourselves, Mm. versus we are just our conditioning, and we just kind of have to try and make it a little bit better to sort of try and just get through life. Jung really believed there was this deeper part of ourselves. And that is, if you can connect to that, then you can really be unstoppable because you're not being driven by your ego, which is always going to try and stop us. It's always going to tell us we're not good enough. It's always going to tell us people don't like us. We don't look good enough. We're too old. We're too fat. We're too thin. We're too whatever. And I think the other thing, too, is if you really believe something, then that is what you will see. The mind sees what it wants to see. So if you think people, you know, for example, with women, I mean, if you really believe that you are um, held back as a woman, then that is what you will see. The mind seeks out evidence to support that. And so it's really working with the mind to understand that you see what you, on a deep level, believe is true and possible. Wow. It's also quite... It sounds like it's quite um, linked to psychotherapy in a way, because it's it's like you're kind of tearing back those layers and, and finding what's quite deep within to then heal and to, I don't know, become your best self, really. It, I mean, it, it is in a sense, but it's also, I mean, I don't use this in a therapy model. I, I think yeah. and I don't use this in a clinical model. I'm not a clinician at all. And yeah. there are Jungian analysts who work with people that are you know perhaps mentally well but I use this for me the difference between say therapy and coaching Mm. is therapy you're trying to get people to a sense of normal 
as in you know that they can just sort of function in the world in a normal way quote unquote I don't like that word but you know what I mean yeah coaching is really you go from normal to extraordinary so it's kind of ordinary to extraordinary and therapy for me is just getting people to like normal function so mine is all about whether I'm working with the voice or with their mind I don't work with people that have clinical issues with their voice, pathology on their voice. I don't work with people that have mental health issues that they need a psychiatrist or they need Mm. someone with that clinical background. And I don't think most people do. There are people that need that. But most people just, because they believe they're their ego, they believe the thoughts and, and the anxieties and all the fears and everything that ego tells us. But when you really start to see that that's not who you are, mm. a lot of that fear and that anxious thinking goes away. Or, or at least uh, you start to understand what it is that you're really hearing um, and it's not who you really are. And I think that's a, a big life-changing moment when you get that. Absolutely. I can imagine. And even, you know, from your own experience yourself, you must have experienced that when you started to develop um, further into um, young and coaching. So that must have yeah. been an incredible, incredible experience for you too. Absolutely. I mean, it's been life changing for me. Uh, th- there is just so many things that I would never be doing if I hadn't if if I couldn't work with my mind in the way I work with my mind and and I should say too it's not a you do it for two weeks and then it's done it's something that initially you have to put more time in I guess like getting fit going to the gym you have to put more time in and then it's just maintenance but it's it never goes away because we're always going to have an ego because our ego is always trying to keep us safe and we need it so it's always there but you just learn to understand what you're hearing and what you're seeing in the world is just all a reflection of yourself it's very empowering (laughs) I can imagine yeah imagine um you're kindly offering the listeners a free uh voice care guide if they subscribe on your website tell us more about what the guide includes yeah so what I find with particularly with the sort of speakers that I work with, but also singers, there's many self uh, sort of self-taught singers out there too, is I feel that there's an enormous amount of um, lack of understanding with with voice and, and, you know, particularly, as I say, people that wouldn't consider themselves a singer or musical in any way. And I I put this guide together really to help women and men, but but anyone really just understand their voice a little, little bit more, like what things that you might be experiencing and why you might be experiencing that. So some of the sort of common things, things that you want to try and avoid, which are going to help your voice uh, to work better, things that you can do more of, which are going to help your voice to work better. So it's kind of irrelevant, male, female, young, old, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's certain things that apply to everyone. Yeah. Would you say that a lot of, a lot of, um, our voice training or some issues that people may have with their voice do you think a lot of it comes down to the breath um so this is interesting because I get asked you know when people first come to me one of the first things that they'll often say not so much with speakers but sometimes with speakers is I need to work on my breathing Mm. I get I hear that all the time (laughs) and Breathing is important, don't get me wrong, but it's one of three subsystems for voice production. And what we tend to do, because it's the thing that seems to be out there in the world 
talked about the most mm. is we think, well, if I can just breathe, then everything else will take care of itself. <laughs> and it, if it's not, unfortunately, it's not that simple. We have, it's almost like a tripod. We need all three legs working together to support the voice. Breath is one of them. It's the power source of the voice. It's very important. So I'm not saying it's not important, but there's other things that are as important and they all have to work together. So it's one component of training. Um, sometimes with people, if I work on the other two, the breath takes care of itself. Sometimes I have to spend more time with people on breath. It really depends. But, the, you know, you could be the greatest breather in the world and you, you still, you know, you, you, I mean, there's many, many people out there that are probably better, quote unquote, breathers than me, you know, free divers and yoga masters and, uh, you know, but can they sing? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I understand. Yeah, it makes sense. (laughs) And what have things been like for you since the lockdown? Because as you mentioned, you know, you came back from Melbourne to the UK. And then unfortunately, we had a pandemic and a lockdown. Has that changed the way you deliver your coaching or singing sessions, or even your performing? Yeah, so in terms of the coaching, I hasn't changed anything for me. I was always teaching online. I did have some clients when I was in Melbourne that came and had in-person lessons, but mostly I did my sessions online anyway. So that didn't change. The biggest change for me was really the performing because I couldn't do anything. And that was one of the reasons why I started recording because the only thing that was open in lockdown was recording studios. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, now is the time. If I'm going to write my own music and put the time in, enormous uh, time-consuming uh, process it was like well now is the time so I started recording back in March um, and I've recorded three songs now so that that has been probably the the biggest gift as well mm. uh, that came from that sort of because I did have some shows booked when I came back to London and I couldn't do anything I had to cancel everything and uh, but I didn't want to not do anything sort of musically so yeah. So in that sense, everything has changed. But I would say, for me, that's been a real positive change, actually. Okay, yeah, no, because I think it just forced a lot of people to just slow down and stop or focus on something that they really wanted to do. For example, I started this podcast during the lockdown. So, ah. yeah, so it's, it's, it's been great. And, you know, it's it's been going really well. So I think, yeah, for a lot of people, it's been you know it unfortunately it's been a horrible situation for so many but on you know on the flip side it's it's been great for for a lot of people especially creatives because I feel like they've tuned into different different ways of um of kind of what they already do so you know whether it be recording or or starting a podcast or doing something else virtually you know there's been a lot of theater online as well which has been uh, great to to see so yeah I think it has been a good time yeah definitely I, I think I think it's uh I mean another thing I hadn't really thought about as well until you were just talking then was for me I mean prior to lockdown a lot of people would never have had a singing lesson online mm. and because that you could only have a singing lesson online I probably in a way have actually uh had new clients come through mm. that wouldn't have otherwise had lessons online so yeah. actually in a way for me personally been quite a 
positive experience. Yeah, because you know, I think a lot of people wanted to start a new hobby as well, and we were limited with things that we could do. So I know, for example, that I want before the lockdown, I wanted to start salsa dancing with my partner, and then during the lockdown, um, they actually had virtual salsa classes. So oh, yeah. yeah, so that was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do you think anyone is capable of learning how to sing? Because like you mentioned at the beginning, you can't remember when you fell in love with singing and music because it's always been a part of your life. But do you think you have to be naturally born with the talent or do you think that someone could be capable of learning how to be a good singer? Yes, I think anyone can. I think that... Unless you're tone deaf, but I just want to preface this by saying only about 5% of the population are truly tone deaf. (laughs) I hear that all the time too. Oh, I don't sing because I'm tone deaf. I'm like, you're not tone deaf. I I know you're not tone deaf by the way you're talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So true tone deafness, I mean, you know, for example, would be things like you wouldn't be able to tell in a song if you were listening to your favorite song does it go high does it go low you wouldn't be able to tell the difference with anything voices would all sound kind of the same um and most people are not like that so um if you're not tone deaf then absolutely you can learn what i would say though and i've seen this with my own clients i think sometimes when people have a natural gift for something they think they don't need to practice or train or do anything Mm. So what I sometimes see actually is the people that perhaps don't naturally have the gift, let's say, Mm. really want to do it so much that they put more time into training and practicing and and working at it. And actually, in my experience, they're often the ones that do a lot better. Because I think sometimes when we have a natural talent, we think, oh, well, I don't need to practice because I can already sing. Mm. But singing particularly is such a complex process that it's unlikely that you're going to know just naturally how to access your full instrument just by not having any training or not having any uh reading books or or understanding learning it's very very unlikely i'm not saying it's impossible but i think often people that are good singers that maybe don't have formal training have often had you know famous mothers or successful family members that are very musical and I've no doubt have probably helped them along the way Mm. I just think it's very very difficult to reach your full potential without training um so yes so however if you've got the natural gift and you do the work then the sky's the limit yeah it's almost like the gym isn't it the gym for your voice you have to keep on to actually start to see any results Totally. And that's a really good analogy because we're really working muscle, very small muscles in Mm. our larynx. And, you know, just like if you went to the gym once a year, your body's not going to stay very strong (laughs) and and toned. And it's the same with the voice. I mean, if you want a voice that lasts and works and you have access to dynamics and range and everything you want, you have to train it and you have to train it regularly. I mean, I train every single day and I I see it like, you know, the Olympics is on at the moment. I mean, these people are, you know, incredibly talented, but train so hard. So it's the same. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Um, do you have any testimonials that you could share with us about, you know, some of the clients that you've helped so far? Have you ever worked with someone who, you know, hadn't sang before, but just wanted to start and then, you know, now they could, now they can actually sing really well? Well, I'm actually with a client I'm currently working with and I've been working and she's actually, I mean, she, she wouldn't mind me saying this because she would say that she would fall into the bracket that I was just talking about as someone that perhaps didn't have the natural, let's say natural yeah. talent, but had a massive passion and desire to sing. Mm-hmm. I've been working with her for about, well, she's actually based in um, Sid- uh, in New South Wales in near Sydney. So she's uh, oh. one of my Australian clients, but I still work with her. And she has really struggled on so many levels with her voice because it wasn't something that came naturally to her, Mm. but she just was so determined and had so much passion for what she was doing. And it's just, I love watching her grow because it just goes to show if you put the time in and the determination, you can literally do anything. And she's now just um, getting herself set up to do her first live concert. Wow. Now, this was someone that hadn't even sung in a pub. She'd done nothing, you know, absolutely no performing at all. And over sort of four, I think it's probably about four years, we've gone from really struggled with pitch, like matching pitch and everything, mm. to now doing her first live concert. And wow. it's just incredible. And if and I use her as an example quite a bit because it, she's a perfect example. If you If you want to do it enough, you can do anything. Yeah, that is incredible. I can't imagine because, yeah, coming from no performance background at all, because, you know, first of all, it's, you know, confidence is a, a big part of that. Of course, you know, the singing and the technique, but um, to, to get to the to get to a place where you feel so confident and, and comfortable and you've, you know, come, you know, leaps and bounds then I think wow what an incredible achievement and that must be such a nice you know testimonial for you as well to to know that you've helped someone so much that they're now going to be performing it's incredible uh, absolutely and you know I, I'm I'm I guide her but she's the one that does all the work and I say yeah. this all the time like it's like going to the gym the PT can't do the press-ups for you but yeah. they can tell you what to do and how to do them and it's the same with me and I can tell you what to do, but if you don't do it, yeah. then nothing will change. So she's just really run with uh, what I have told her to do and work on. And and she, but she's done all the work. And uh, she's also done a lot of work with her mind as well. I think that is a big okay. thing. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, she's really got into visualization. That's a big part of what I do. It's a big part of Carl Jung's process of of, you know, moving ourselves into this, place of uh, possibility and abundance Mm -hmm. and you know because the mind doesn't know the difference between what we imagine and what we sort of see with our senses so if you Mm. really visualize yourself very very clearly and singing visualize yourself singing Mm. as long as you're putting in the training and the time on the other side you can actually really progress very quickly wow (laughs) that's incredible (laughs) yeah it's amazing it's amazing and I know athletes use it a lot I know it's big in the sporting world as well 
I can imagine. And like recently, a lot of things to do with mental health have been spoken about within, you know, the world of sports. And I think that's incredible as well, because so much of what we do, whether it's performing, singing, you know, sports, it it does all come down to mentality. So I'm so glad that, you know, now we're in 2021, we're finally, you know, giving the respect to people like young or other like behaviorists or you know mindsets authors who can give us that advice and, and education about the mind yes yeah absolutely because everything everything comes from our mind i mean everything we do we can't separate ourselves from our mind in yeah. anything so it's so important it really is. It really is. Can you give us any tips about how to best project your voice if you're talking to an audience or a group of people, for example? Yeah, it's so there's a couple of things I would say, and, and this is sort of what I do in a much deeper way with clients. I mean, um, one of the big things I see when people struggle to project and they say, you know, I can't be heard and whatever. Mm. And it sounds so simple, but I, I encourage you to look at yourself in a mirror after I've said this. But so many people, when they speak, they barely move their jaw, they barely move their lips, and their tongue is quite lazy. And actually, when we get all of what we call the articulators really moving and working, mm. it is incredible how much more acoustic kind of power there is in the voice than if you are, you know, if your mouth is literally kind of shut down. And I was working with a client yesterday and I said, you know, I'd like you to kind of say this sentence for me, but I want you to exaggerate the jaw movement. And so she thought she was exaggerating her jaw movement. And I said, well, you know, can you watch yourself do this? Because your jaw is barely moving at all. Ah. So I told her to put two finger depth between her teeth and then do the same thing. And suddenly the voice was able to come out. And I mean, this is just one very small thing. But so this isn't to say that you go around, you know, with your mouth wide open all the time. (laughs) But it's really because most of us hold so much tension in our jaw Mm -hmm. that the jaw tends to be more shut than softly open. And um, the tongue is another thing that holds enormous amounts of tension, tends to retract, tends to pull back. So when we start to get more agility and mobility through the articulators, it has an enormous effect on the voice and the power and the voice that can come out. So watch yourself in a mirror and see how much you do or don't move your mouth because I think you'll be quite surprised. That's a (laughs) really good tip. No, really, honestly, because so I did musical theatre as well and um, just before, yeah, just before or in warm-ups, they would, you know, do various uh, warm-ups with us. So there's one that's also very good. Um, I think it was to pretend that you were chewing a very sticky piece of toffee or chewing gum and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I yeah. found that to be a really good um, warm-up exercise for the jaw as well. But I actually feel the tight jaw in myself sometimes. If I'm feeling quite yeah. tense or or if I'm laying in bed at night and I feel like I can't get to sleep, I actually start to really think about my body more. And I've actually realised on so many occasions I probably can't sleep because my jaw is clenched and so tight. And I think yeah. that it's probably so common that people have this same kind of issue. 
Very, very common. And also I would say, I mean, obviously I'm not talking about you specifically, but just very broadly, the jaw is often related to sort of unexpressed emotion. When our jaw is clenched, it's really a way of blocking the voice. So from a sort of psychological perspective, I would also be working with people more on, you know, what are they not expressing? Where are they holding themselves back from, you know, whatever the thing is in their life that they need to be expressing. And so, you know, the jaw is incredibly powerful. It's a very powerful muscle relative to its size and it's also a very it's very symbolic if we shut our mouth it literally means our voice can't come out yeah interesting interesting stuff (laughs) (laughs) um so we're both members of Albright and you're actually a faculty manager of the Albright Academy so I I know a little bit about the Albright Academy but what does that entail So, yeah, so I became a faculty member when I was still living in Melbourne. And I basically, from my understanding of this, at least, it's really because I provide content and I was providing content for their online digital courses. So then I became a faculty member because of that. So I can't remember the course that my I did some videos for speakers. Obviously, everyone at Albright is business owner of some description or freelancer so but this was about two years ago so this was uh I did the some videos for them yeah yeah and I guess for example that helps people who may also be quite naturally shy and you know scared at the idea of speaking out loud because although you know some people might be incredibly intelligent and have amazing ideas and be you know business owners of such incredible businesses they may not be you know a speaker of the business I I feel like that's why sometimes people go into you know partnerships rather than just you know running a business on their own because they may just hate the idea of having to speak to people Mm. yeah definitely I mean it really it really does touch every area of our life, our voice. Yeah. Uh, whether it's with our family and friends or partner or with our pets, with our peers, with our um, clients. I mean, everything. It's such a powerful communication tool. And so if we are, if if we haven't developed a good relationship with our voice, it does really affect us, I think, on a deep level. Yeah, I agree. So so who is your ideal client that you would love to work with? So I guess I've got two, uh, depending on what, what they're doing. So I guess from a speaking perspective, it's really helping women who are wanting to go to the next level, you know, that, that they have a business or, or they could have a career, they could be working within an organisation, but they're really driven to make a difference in the world. They want to make a bigger impact and they and the, the only way we can really make a bigger impact is to put ourselves out there more and do more and be more in the world and that obviously means speaking doesn't necessarily mean speaking on stage but it could be speaking on video it could be speaking one on one on the phone in person whatever so the people i love working with are just very passionate about what they do mm. they're on a mission 
They want to really make a big difference in the world. And they're the women that I love working with because they do the work because they really want to get a result. But they have a higher sort of reason for doing what they're doing. It's not just about, you know, making money. It's There's nothing wrong with making money, but there's a bigger reason. You know, I want to sort of share this with people or I've got this amazing tool or service that I want, you know, I want to make a bigger impact with. Um, I think with singers, it's so what one question I get a lot is, do you only work with people that can sing Mm. (laughs) or, you know, do do you only work with people, you know, that are professional or semi-professional? And I always say the same thing. I say, I don't care if you've never sung a note in your life. The only thing I care about is that you are committed and want to put the time in. Mm. Uh, Because as I said earlier, you could, you could have a gift but you just think you don't need to do any practice. So I love working with people, singers, who really like my client I was talking about a second ago, Yeah. Um, who are just so passionate and want to put the time and the effort into it. And then I'm fully there, whether you've never sung a note in your life or you've been singing your whole life. Wow. You sound like, the, you sound like a great coach. So I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people will definitely be interested. Um, yeah. But let's move on to my favourite part of the show, being pets, but most yeah. specifically cats. Yes. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about your life and journey with pets so far? Yeah, so we've always had cats. So again, kind of much like my singing life, um, I don't know a life without cats. I mean, when I was born... We, my parents had two Siamese cats and so we've we've always 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 had cats and then when I went to Australia I didn't have a cat for the first few years which was really felt like I didn't have a a limb had been chopped off Aww. and then eventually I got a Burmese cat not Luna another one which I adopted him and he was eight when I adopted him and sadly he passed away last year I actually flew him back from Australia last year in lockdown and uh he was 16 and a half mind you so he did amazingly well the most well-traveled cat on the planet I think Um, and so sadly yeah he passed away and then I actually adopted Luna in January uh during lockdown so but I have a love of Burmese Uh, um having said that I mean, I love all cats, but I have a particular affinity to Burmese because they're so affectionate and they love to be, well, Luna doesn't like having a photo taken, but (laughs) (laughs) she's so, she's so not part of the Instagram generation. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, they're just very affectionate and I always sort of, and they're beautiful, Mm. but they're like, dogs and a cat's body yeah I know I love them we've got a few at chatty cats care that we work with actually and I just oh I love them there's one that's coming up a booking that's coming up with a Burmese I'm so excited it's got these piercing blue eyes and he was actually a rescue cat from Thailand um and now he's living in London he's so cute very vocal um but very very cute yeah yeah very vocal which I think kind of suits me quite well because it's like a competition who can make the most noise. Exactly, <laughs> I was going to say. Um, so, yeah, I would love to know more about your current kitty, Luna, as you mentioned. She's a little bit shy. Um, but what is she like? Because you've had her since January. That must have been, um, yeah, a, a, a transition, I guess. Yeah, it, so it was interesting. So I've never had a female queen uh-huh. before. 
And I adopted her because essentially, I think the reason the breeder wanted to kind of get rid of her for want of, that sounds awful, but um, was because she was starting to attack the male cats. And I think she was obviously quite stressed. She'd had a few litters of kittens. She's five. And um, so I think she's a bit, she's been a bit wary of humans. She's not really had, I don't think, a lot of human contact so she's quite anxious Uh, she's quite an anxious cat and it's probably taken about six months for her to sort of sleep on my bed Uh, initially she hid from me for the first the first week I mean I didn't even forgot I even had a cat um but now she's sort of you know she's she's starting to kind of settle and she's starting to trust me a lot more She's very, very affectionate, but she's also very anxious. So there's this kind of anxious affection going on all the time. And yeah. um, But she's absolutely beautiful. And I'm just so glad that I could give her a good home. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, my favourite question to ask you is, do you think we can learn about the voice from cats? Because, you know, they have different types of meows and they definitely know how to project their voice when they want something like food. Mm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I think it comes back to that. I mean, in answer, yes, I I do. um, Because I think they use their voice in very, very much a sort of survival. Mm. It's a survival tool. It's like, notice me, look at me. I need food. I need cuddles. I need something they need something that's why they talk to us I mean I think sometimes I mean Luna does sort of chat as well she's a chatty chatty cat Um, (laughs) yeah she does sort of just sit there talking to herself I think sometimes (laughs) um but what I was going to say actually more broadly about this is I think that cats are what I love about cats most of all and I think this probably applies to all cats is that they're not afraid to ask for what they want. Mm. And they're not afraid to repeatedly ask for what they want. So even, you know, if I'm on a call and she wants something, she'll just keep coming in and meowing at me. Really? <laughs> and I think sometimes, particularly as women, we we fear sort of asking for what we want in business or mm. we hold ourselves back. And I sometimes think, what would Luna do? She she doesn't have a problem. If she wants food, she'll just keep meowing at me until I give her food. Yeah. So I think that there is this amazing, learning we can get from cats that they are they just know what they want and they're not afraid to ask for it exactly exactly felines we can learn so much from them yeah definitely (laughs) they are amazing they are they are would you say that your cat has contributed to your own well-being especially I guess during the lockdown since you know it's been quite a, a hard time for so many people yeah, I think that they are just that they're always there. I know it sounds kind of really obvious, but they are. It's just that that they're almost like a piece of furniture, but in in, in a good way. Yeah, uh, and I and I think that they're just that constant in your life, and they're always pleased to see you when you walk through the door. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you're feeling kind of sad or happy or angry or whatever. They're always just the same, and they're always there. So I think having that sort of stability in a way that I think they bring to a home has been really important. And for me, I mean, Ulysses was my Burmese cat before Luna. And I'd had him for nearly nine years. 
And so he was that kind of constant in my life for nine years through all the changes, through all the, mm. you know, moving, my parents passing away, all of this stuff. Ulysses was the one constant. He was the only thing that didn't change. And uh, they do provide that, I think, that incredible kind of groundedness and that stability yeah. in our life. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And would you say that, you know, since the six months, you know, you mentioned earlier that she's gradually coming around to you more is she like a does she sit on your lap or anything or is she one of those cats that kind of sit close by to you and just observes yeah so she does she's probably more of a sit close by and observe although she does now sleep on my bed oh yeah um, you mentioned yeah okay. yeah but that's taken her a while to have the courage to do that so Aww. um because whenever I try and pick her up she tends to kind of freak out and uh, I think she thinks that I'm going to like pick her up in the night and <laughs> oh. so it's really funny. And that's why I found it so hard to get a photo of her yeah. think, for this because every time I picked her up, she'd squirm out of my arms. Really? Yeah. So um, she's, uh, but no, she, she is adorable. Yeah, she is. <laughs> if you, if your cat, which is also one of my favorite questions, if your cat was a person, what do you think she would be like? Hmm. Interesting one. Quite difficult, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think she would be, what, well, as in a, a person? As in like, if she was a person, what yeah. kind of person, yeah, would she be like? Oh, she's here now, so she's heard you talking about her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Luna, what kind of person would you be? I think. I think she would be... Probably a little bit shy, mm. um, but I, I think she'd be a kind-hearted but very shy person. Oh, yeah, sweet, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's got a little a little tongue, so she's had something with her jaw, like a problem with her jaw. So her tongue doesn't properly fit in her mouth. So her tongue oh. is always slightly hanging out of her mouth. So it's really cute when she's looking at me and her tongue sticking out. Oh, adorable. <laughs> I think they call it a little cat bleep, a cat bleep or something like that. I've heard people call it that when the cat's tongue oh. is sticking out. Oh, really? So cute. Yeah, it's called cat bleep. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for talking to me. It's been such a great conversation. I found it so interesting and there's so many, like, I can't wait to listen back over to the episode because I'm going to be making notes and there's a lot of things that I want to research now for myself. So thank yeah. you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Um, but lastly, if the listeners want to find out more about you and your accounts online, where can they find you? So probably the easiest is to go to my website, which is anuskataylor.com. And then you can access all my social media from there so I'm on pretty much everything but it's probably easier just to go to my website yeah yeah perfect thank you Anuska I will um, link everything in the show notes as well but um thank you and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day thank you goodbye bye thank you so much for listening to this podcast we have some amazing guests on the show who share such invaluable advice, stories and inspiration. Can you do me a favour? 
If you like this podcast, please could you rate, review and subscribe. This will help us reach people who can benefit from listening. Another way you could help is if you could tell a friend who you think might enjoy this podcast too. See you next week. Goodbye.